focus on two things. There's a lot of things we could focus on with public speaking, but I'm going to focus on two main elements today. One is the form, um, so talking about the structure of something, and that is several components that go with it, and then there's style, or the presentation side of what you do. Over on this table, hard to see for some of you, is a very ugly looking lump of clay. And this represents the assignment you need to speak. All right, you just know you gotta do that. So that represents where you start. And then here are several different lumps of clay that have been shaped into things. And that's the finished, completed, having been used product that has accomplished its purpose. So how do we get from here to there? There are two things that we have to consider, the form of something and the style. So when we talk about form, what are we talking about? What do we want to understand? We're talking about things like your topic, your purpose, your organization, your approach, and the content. And we're going to go through those um, right now. We're going to begin to go through those. So choosing a topic is kind of like deciding in advance what you want this lump of clay to become, right? Do you want it to become a little, what do you call this? A little pitcher, a cup, a vase. What do you want this lump of clay to become? That's what happens when you choose a topic um, with the requirement to do that. So let me ask you, how many of you, when you're asked to speak, usually have a topic assigned versus how many of you have to choose your topic? So if you usually have your topic assigned, please raise your hand. Okay, so one person and another word, sometimes and sometimes not. How many of you are, have to choose your own topic? That would be everyone else, pretty much. And then there may be mixed circumstances where maybe there's a series. The elders are going to speak on, right? And you're one of the elders, so you, you're in that topic, you're in that subject stream, string, but you still have to choose your own individual part of it. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. All right. So there are some things to consider when you want to choose your topic, because you want to do this not randomly, like, oh, I guess I have to do something, any, 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 mo. You want to do it more thoughtfully than that. So there are some things to think about. Pointers. Here's what we tell students in college. Always pick a topic that matters to you, that interests you. Or like I like to say, pick something that you have a passion for. Because if you have a passion for a topic, it's gonna to be easier for you than if it's something that you just like, I've gotta do this. Or if you've been assigned a topic and you have to preach on that, infuse into it something that does matter to you. Infuse into it something that interests you. But if you can pick the topic itself, that's better. Also, it's good to have something you've studied. If you've been spending time with the Lord on your knees and you've been asking him to show you things in his word, then it's, you have something invested in that. So, and you already have done some research probably, and so that's a great um, choice as well. And it, what I'm saying is not, these are not exclusively one or the other. Hopefully you can combine all of these into your topic choice. The uniquely yours is this. There are some experiences in life and some things you know in life, not because you read them, not because someone told you, maybe not even because they're just in the Bible, but because you have lived an experience, right? And you know it for yourself. If you can pick a topic that is uniquely yours, that will be much more authentic powerful and effective for your audience than if you're just picking something that is a topic of interest. So if you can do, it matters to you, it interests you, you've studied it, it's uniquely yours, if it's all of those things, that's even better. 
And then there is appropriate for your audience. Well, they're church members. They got to come to church. So whatever I talk about should be appropriate as long as it's about the Bible, right? <laughs> not really. There's a lot of things in the Bible that may not be appropriate for an 11 o'clock sermon, right? You have to remember that, oh, well, I know you know, because you sit in the congregation and listen to people preach. And you know that some topics can help a general audience and some topics can only help a few. Whenever you're asked to speak, you want to reach the most people possible as opposed to the fewest. So preaching a sermon on the details of calculating the 2300 days probably will not help the majority of people, right? It may be important to know, and that might be an important thing to do in a workshop, but for a sermon, it's probably not the best thing. I know some people who are, are, are I'm going to use the word obsessed because I tend to view it as an obsession. Pardon me for my bias, but you have to remember that I did grow up in religious extremism. So I know some people who are absolutely obsessed with a fine point of truth. For example, whether you use the word Jesus or Yahweh, or for example, if you have to use uh, God or Father preceding anything you say, or whether you have to kneel every time you pray. And they make this the truth. Let me explain to you something very quickly. There is one the truth, and that is Jesus Christ. And if you preach on him, you'll never go astray. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying it has to be, oh, Jesus loves you. But what I'm saying is if he is the center of what you speak on, it will always be good for your audience, always. All right, and then appropriate to the situation. What do I mean by that? You might have to speak for a funeral, for example. That's not probably, well, it could be the day to speak on joy. Yes, but probably not the importance of having fun. You see the difference? Like joy in the midst of sorrow, that would be appropriate. But just to talk about joy just for joy may not be the best subject because of the situation. Similarly, um, similarly, if something has just happened, right? Like we've just had an amazing week in, in history, haven't we? If you had to speak this Sabbath, it would be very appropriate for you to mention some of the things that happened and use it to draw into your sermon. Why? Because it makes it more relevant. Whenever people are in the moment going through an experience and then you speak about it, you're drawn to hear what they have to say. So appropriate for not only the audience, but also the situation in the church, in the community, in the world. What's appropriate? All right, for that situation. And then... There's settling on a purpose. Settling on a purpose is much like choosing the function of this. So what's the function of this right here? Decorations, yes, decorations and flowers. I risked a lot by bringing this. This is my husband's mug. Oh, I just, so what's this for? Holding, Holding you know, something hot. Exactly, it's a drink. And this little guy, well, I just stuck my business cards in there, but you probably put little creamer or something like that, right? And I know you can't really guess what this is because I actually made this one myself. <laughs> it kind of looks like an old lamp. Yeah, it does look like a candle holder. What happened with this one is I actually didn't have a purpose in mind. I just started shaping, and this is what it came out. I call it a cup pitcher bowl. It's really more like a candle holder. But you can still tell that it has the purpose of holding something and pouring. Choosing your purpose is the same thing. It's deciding what it is that you want to do or accomplish by the time people are done. And in public speaking, we talk about three general purposes, and they are these. The first one is to inform. 
And the reason why I gave you these things, the handouts is in case you want to write notes on them. So that's up to you though, entirely. So to inform, that's to increase understanding, awareness, so forth. So for example, when Paul spoke to the new believers, remember when Eutychus fell out of the window? Very likely though, he was speaking to inform. He was sharing with people more about the faith so that they could be better grounded. Your purpose is to increase understanding, awareness, and general knowledge. Your purpose is not to um, necessarily get them to do anything, but people have to have a good foundation. So information is a very uh, a good purpose. Um, another one is to persuade, to change attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, or motivate people to action. If you're preaching in a Revelation seminar, you better be preaching to persuade at some point. I mean, yes, you want to inform, but you may also want to persuade them to actually keep the Sabbath, right? Or to start paying tithe. If you're preaching in church, you might want your members, to, your, your the fellow members to pay your tithe. It's an important thing to do. So there are some things where you actually want people to, to either think differently or act differently as a result. So when Paul was talking to King Agrippa, he was actually trying to persuade. Yeah. All right. And then the other purpose that we talk about in public speaking is to entertain. And that is to interest, amuse, or please listeners. And you might say entertainment has no place in the pulpit. Well, let's think of a parallel concept to entertainment. How about real valuable entertainment re if refreshes you, right? It brings enjoyment. It brings pleasure, not sinful pleasure, but elevating pleasure. And there are some messages that do that. I mean, think about it. When you talk about Joseph's story, everybody knows what happened. You're not really informing them. You're not trying to persuade them in most cases to be Joseph. He already lived his life, right? Mm -hmm. What you're doing is enjoying the irony of how God can turn something that was intended for evil for good. Right. That is to enjoy. That is, to, uh, that is under the heading of to entertain. What you want to figure out is when my lead, lead, when my leavers leave this situation, when my listeners. listeners, thank you, leave this situation, what thoughts and feelings do I want them to walk away with? And that's determined by your purpose. All right. So that's an important thing. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and do all of the talking all by myself. I'm going to have you do a little something. So very quickly, just in your own head, I want you keeping the pointers in mind that we just covered, and you have the handout so I don't have to flash back, I want you very quickly to select a topic. Do it for a reason. Okay, let's pretend you have to speak this coming Sabbath. So you want to select a topic, and you want to be able to tell why you selected the topic, and you want to determine a purpose. That's your assignment, 60 seconds, go. Individually, you're selecting a topic. You see this is a speaking class. You see where this is going? <laughs> Ultimately, you may have to give your speech, but don't worry, not everyone will. I may miss you, but I may get you. Who knows? All right, so 60 seconds. A topic. Think about what interests you. Go back and review what interests you, all those things, okay? <laughs> Pick it, decide a topic, be able to say why you selected it, and then you want to choose your purpose for presenting that topic. Okay, so hopefully you already know what it is, you've thought about it, you said this is what I have knowledge and experience in, this is what matters to me, this is all of those things that I wrote down on the paper that I can't even remember off the top of my head that you can see. You're going to say what is it I speak about and am I going to inform, inform persuade, or entertain. All right, unfortunately, I don't have time to, to wait for everyone to be done. I'm going to move forward now. So we're going to move on to basic organization. 
once you know your topic and you know your purpose, you have an understanding of the general shape and function of what you're creating. So now it's a matter of beginning to organize and put together what you have decided to do. So there are three basic parts of anything, whether it's a piece of writing or speaking that you need to consider. One is the introduction, the body, it has every, everything, every speech has an introduction, it has a body, and it has a conclusion. These are the most basic things. We're gonna talk about the introduction later, and we're gonna talk about the conclusion later. We're gonna go first to the body because it's easier to deal with how you're going to get into a topic and how you're gonna get out of a topic once you know what you're gonna say about the topic, right? So we're gonna start there. All right, so the basic organization is in the body, you'll want to identify, in the body of your, your speech, you're going to identify the main points. What are the main things that you're going to talk about? So think about the, uh, the topic you just picked. What are some of the main things that you want to talk about? What matters? So for example, if you want to talk about peace and how peace, God wants to give us all peace, what three things might you say about peace that can make a difference for people, all right? So we want to talk about how God gives us peace in the midst of difficulty. What do we need to know about peace in order to understand your topic? So think about yours um, at this point. I want to suggest you only limit it to you limit it to only two or three main points. So peace is something that we cannot create of our own. It's a gift of God. That might be one point, right? And peace is something that carries us through the worst of times so that we can go through them without being ruffled. That might be the general main point. Those are the two things you want to get across to people. You don't necessarily want more than two main points because if you do it right, if you develop your topic, you'll have so much to say that you will run out of time if you put a lot more in there. I only have two main points. <laughs> Sounds like experience. <laughs> All right, so you only have, in this one presentation, I only have two main points. What two things am I dealing with here? Forgot already? I want to make sure you remember. Form and style. Form and style. Those are, and I haven't really fleshed them out into main points in terms of the thesis, but you understand those are the two topic areas I'm dealing with, that a, a public speech has form and it has style. And understanding how to craft your form and then understanding how to present what you've crafted is what it takes to do a successful presentation. Those are my two main points. All right, so what you wanna do is, um, for these main points, you're gonna provide supporting material and that's how you expand them. You don't wanna talk about everything in the world, limit it and then add a lot to what you have chosen. All right, the other thing that I'm not gonna talk about today is transitions. We don't have time to talk about this, but transitions are important because what they do is help a reader, uh, a reader, a reader help a listener understand that you're going from point A to point B. Now that I've told you about how gave, God gave Joseph peace in the midst of what he was enduring, now I'm going to explain you know, why Joseph was able to receive that peace. Bad analogy, but you understand what I'm saying. You want to kind of summarize what you just said and move forward. That's one type of transition. Another type is very simple. First, second, third, 
right? Because what that does is it helps the listener in the moment to organize your speech and follow you. When people can't follow you, what happens? They get lost, they go to sleep, you hear some gentle snoring in the back of the room. Yeah. <laughs> if they can follow you, and if what you're saying has value to them, then they will be able to stay with you. All right. So now we're going to move to another part of dealing with the body, and that is choosing the layout. Very important. Choosing the layout. What am I talking about? So on this one, I'm talking about the approach that you want to use to get through your presentation. So whenever you're talking, you can you can do it many different ways. You can organize it many different ways. But what makes most sense for what you're talking about? Well, let's look at the different ways of organizing a presentation to see if we can understand so that you can apply it to your topic right now for your sermon this Sabbath, right? Because you're speaking this Sabbath. So said me. All right. <laughs> so one of the first, one pattern that you can use is called the temporal pattern. This is um, by time. You're, it's based on the idea of time. So this is really good, particularly if you're dealing with things like, um, if you're talking about a story, for example, the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, even if you're not talking about it. In the Bible, the prodigal son, you can trace through the periods of his life. That is a temporal arrangement. Another one would be the fall of man or um, Christ's Passion Week. And it's also good for talking to people about steps to recovery. First, second, third, because it's ordered, okay? Another one, another organizational pattern is spatial. So that's the relationship of physical things to one another. So for example, if you're talking about the New Jerusalem, the sanctuary, um, you know, or the temple back in the time of Israel, that's a spatial thing that you're describing. A topical pattern is one that you use when there's nothing ordering it in any particular way, not time, not physical layout. It's just you're talking about a subject, you know, so three ways to increase your faith. Well, one point could be it could be in any order. So it's totally arbitrary. And so that's a legitimate pattern to use. And then there's comparison. So the Bible uses this a lot. So there's wheat and tares, right? There's the man who built the house on the sand versus the man who built the house on the rock. Who can give me another one that's a comparison pattern? Light and darkness. What's another one? Come on. Sowing the seed. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You threw me off a cliff for a minute. <laughs> okay. The different types of ground. <laughs> okay. Now that would not that would not be a strict comparison because he's talking about the different types. So that would be more topical. But a comparison would take two things and show how they're similar or different. One more comparison. So that is a metaphor. That is a metaphor. A metaphor is a comparison. You're right. It's a comparison between two unlike things to bring out a concept. But here we're talking about comparing how two things are alike. So in a sense, that could be. But it would more like be the foolish versions and the wise version. You're talking about the foolish one did this, the wise one did that. Okay. Mary and Martha. Yes, very good. Cain and Abel. You know, we could keep, Satan and Christ. Okay, you got the idea. So comparison is really great for, for bringing out differences between things. Now, those patterns that I just gave you are really good for information and potentially entertainment. You could choose among the ones that I just gave you, and they could work. 
Um, these next ones are more for persuasion. So problem, solution. So why are people lacking a spiritual vibrancy in their spiritual life? Well, maybe they need to go call partnering, right? <laughs> the solution is get out there and start selling books to people, and then your spiritual life will come alive. And trust me, I'm not trying to recruit for call partnering, but it works. I did it. Well, I was never so alive as when I was call partnering. So, yeah, it, it can work. Um, problem solution. You're not necessarily saying that one thing caused another, but rather this solution can address this problem. Mr. Timekeeper, where am I in the time? Halfway? Okay. Cause and effect is another thing. Uh, and notice, when you're talking about problem solution, you're not just giving them information. You're trying to get them to do something different, right? So that's a persuasive pattern. Another one is cause and effect or effect cause. So here you might be talking about the effects of television and social media usage on young people's uh, spiritual life, you know, or, or in general on spiritual life. Doing too much of this causes problems here. Or why do we have so many young people that are not interested in church? Maybe it's because we're not having worships in our home. We're not practicing it in our lives. You see? Problem, solution, that kind of thing. Or cause, effect. I'm sorry, not problem, solution. But here's the cause. Here's the effect. And often people pair that with problem, solution. Okay? So they talk about the cause and the effect. And then there's another one that's called Moreau's Motivated Sequence. And that is something evangelists use very effectively. And what this is about is it has five steps. And I didn't put them on paper, so you would write them down and remember them because they can be very effective for bringing people to action. So the first one is getting people's attention. Get their attention. I remember a salesman came to my um, home wanting to sell me a vacuum cleaner. And the first thing he did was ask me to get my vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and he used it to vacuum a small portion of the carpet, went back and forth, did a really thorough job, much more thorough than I would normally do, but he had a filter over it to catch how much it, debris it caught. And then he took out his Kirby, and he went over the exact same place using another filter, a clean filter, put it over it, did that. I was astonished at how much debris it picked up. He had my attention. <laughs> From there, he did the next step. You know what the next step is? Establish a need. You know, they say all you need, T.D. Jakes, uh, don't mean to offend anybody who doesn't like non-Adventist preachers, but T.D. Jakes says all you need is a need. If people don't feel a need, you can't do anything for them. But if they feel a need, then you can, you can give them a solution. So he began to tell me about all the pet dander and the skin cells and the germs and the termites and mites, all this stuff was in my carpet, and I had small children. So you can be sure that got my attention. And then, of course, he presented the Kirby as a solution, and I was already convinced because I saw what the Kirby was getting out of my carpet that my vacuum cleaner was not. But so the next step is visualization. Establishing a need and giving people a solution is not sufficient for persuading them. You have to do something more, and visualization is something more. What my life could be like if I just bought a Kirby. And he presented the Kirby to everything, solving every problem except for not being married and having to cook food. I'm telling you. <laughs> he showed me how the Kirby can help me have a clean car and all this stuff. And I tell you, that clean car thing got me because I always had a messy car. I had young kids. So when he got to the last step, which is call to action, 
I signed on the dotted line even though I had just bought a house one month before and I had no plans of buying a $1,300 Kirby, I signed on the dotted line. Very effective. It's called Monroe's, Monroe's Motivated Sequence. It's, uh -huh. So it is called to, uh, is attention, get people's attention, establish a need, a solution, visualization, solution, yes. So the Kirby, I skipped over it, I mean I didn't skip over it, but I mentioned it very generally. The Kirby was my solution. And then visualize what all, how this could make your life better. And then finally give the call to life. Are you tired of your life being like this? Come to Jesus. And if you do it just like right, the audience just, whew, you know. Of course, remember, it's not a technique that actually works like that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. But knowing the technique can be helpful, though. Knowing the technique can help. All right, I've got to move on because I actually have a time limit here. All right, and then you have to do something more than just, um, you have to do something more. And that is provide supporting material. Because you have a topic, you have a purpose, and you have all of these things we just talked about um, that you, you want to use, but you have your layout, but you still have stuff that you need to put together. So what kind of stuff can you use? Well, there's facts and statistics. I work with a professor who preaches, his name is Andy, he often speaks. And whenever he speaks, uh, the New Testament or whatever he's talking about, Paul's writings, he's always bringing all kinds of facts and information to the talk uh, that is based on his journeys over to Israel. And all of the things, so no matter what book of the Bible he's writing about, it probably was written somewhere around in the land of Israel or somebody from Israel. So he's, you know, back in the old days. So he draws on that knowledge to give historical data and context to what he's saying. That's an example of facts. And of course, statistics might be percentages and things that are happening that give some weight. It also establishes credibility for you because it says that you did some homework. You didn't just get up there and speak. Definitions, descriptions, explanation, explanations. I remember humorously, I listened to a, pas uh, to a pastor, he was a preacher, and he went through Philippians, um, is it Philippians, I believe? Yeah, Philippians 4, where, where Paul gives the talk, brethren, I have not, uh, brethren, I have not yet apprehended, but, um, but this one thing I do. And he used that word apprehended through the entire sermon and never once explained what it meant. I remember feeling apprehended. I felt handcuffs on me. <laughs> and for some reason, I just didn't understand what he was talking about. Whole sermon, but it lacked explanation. You don't want to do that. So, okay. Examples and illustrations. So there's, um, I wish I could give you a an example that I use a lot about extremism, having been raised in an extreme home. Brief version is we got invited to a lady's house for dinner and she was trying to fix us a vegan meal. And instead of just eating gratefully what was set before us, even though she didn't get it perfectly right according to the way we lived in our extreme lifestyle, we proceeded to grill her about things like what kind of oil did she use? What kind of salt was it cooked with? What kind of water was it cooked with? What were the pots were used? I tell the story in my book. And it, it really began even then at the time to make me realize that something was wrong with the way we believed. That's an example of using an example or an illustration to make a point. You can be sure every time I tell that story, people never forget that. It, it illustrates the idea of extremes, right? Good intentions, but extreme. All right, another one is personal experience. Well, I just gave you a personal experience. 
But one, uh, one personal experience can be powerful because it's yours. So no one knows that thing unless you share it. So it's the unique thing that you have to share. Um, view surveys and interviews. If you know you're going to speak, you could have done a survey ahead of time if you want to for some particular reason. It may or may not work, but you have that option. Um, as opposed to interviews, personal conversations. If you talk to a lot of people in your congregation, you know they're struggling with poverty or with weight loss or they're struggling with depression, you can draw broadly on the things that you've learned from talking to people and bring them into your sermon. Of course, you never want to do it in a way that identifies sister so-and-so sitting on the fourth row because you never want to make people feel like you're preaching about them in the pulpit. But you can draw broadly on the concepts and say that I've talked to at least 20 people in this congregation or 10 people and they've all shared similar things and then share, talk about the similar things. And then of course there's library research, online resources. All right, now, how much time do I have till stopping? 15 minutes? Ah, okay, what I wanted to do was have you get in little groups and um, I, want you, I wanted you to take, um, pick one of the topics and two or three points and pick a layout for it and decide what kind of supporting material you could use. You think you could do that in 30 seconds? <laughs> All right, I tell you what, I'm gonna move forward with the lesson and then as we get to toward the end, I may put you in groups to do it with the little bit of time we have left and see what you come up with, all right? All right, so we'll do that. Now, I said after I talked about the body, then I would talk about the introduction, right? Because once you know your main points and you know your supporting material, then, and you already understand the substance of what you're doing, then you can figure out how do I get into this and how do I get out of it, right? Because once you know this is what I'm talking about and it's all here, but then how do you start? Oh, yeah, that's a problem. But you've done the hard part because you have your body put together. Now how do you introduce it? So here are some things. The first thing you want to do, just like with Monroe's motivated sequence, it doesn't matter what type of speech you're giving or sermon, you want to capture your listener's attention. If you don't have, you know with kids, all y'all got kids, right? See, that's a little bit of my, all y'all got kids. Just forgive me. I like to talk comfortably every now and then. So most of you that have kids, you know kids, if you don't have their attention, it doesn't matter what you say. Where is it going? Okay, you gotta get their attention. Whether it's throwing something at them, slamming something on the floor, shouting, whatever, okay. Or very quietly saying, Johnny, I've called you for the third time, would you come? But you have to get their attention. All right, so there's ways to do that with, 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 with um, messages. So you can use a dramatic quote. Martin Luther King once said, I have a dream that and then you could tie it to where you want to go. I have a dream that, well, I forgot my thought. Anyway, it was a great one when I had it. You could tie it together with something else. Moving right along. You want to clarify your topic and purpose. Please don't assume that your readers, your readers, I keep saying readers, it's because I'm a writer. You never want to assume that your congregation knows what you're talking about. Just because you spent the last 10 hours working on the topic doesn't mean that they have. And they may not actually know. So you want to tie that wonderful attention getter with what you're talking about. And then you want to make it clear why you're talking about it so they can understand what you hope to succeed and they can actually know you even have a purpose. And then you want to preview your main points. What that does is it lets people know that you have something to say, that you're going somewhere. You're not just talking. All right, so that helps them to stay organized. And then with the conclusion, and we just shot through the whole body just now, 
And now we're at the conclusion. The conclusion, there's three things that you can do. The first one is restating the topic or purpose. You don't have to, but you can do that if you think there's any loss of clarity on what you were talking about. So just restate it. But you can also simply accomplish that by just summarizing your main points. So you don't have to restate your topic, but you could. But definitely summarize your main points. Remember, you tell people what you're gonna say, then you say it, and then you tell people what you said. Because when they walk away, you want them to be sure to what? You want them to remember. Repetition helps them remember. And then you want to leave them with something that seals it in so they don't forget. So whether it's a memorable quote, another story, so forth. I've seen some ministers who are very skilled and they might begin with a story, get into their topic and they're so engaging, you're following along, you forgot they were telling you a story. And then at the end they come back and they finish that story and it pulls it together powerfully. That's a gift, I don't have that one. But if you do, please exercise it because it is so powerful for those who experience it. But a simpler rule is if you began with a story, end with one. If you began with a quote, end with a quote. If you began with a personal experience, end with one. You don't have to. This is just a rule to help you in case you need it. All right. Now, I wanted to do um, definitely more of this activity, but we don't have time to do it right now, so we'll come back to it. So now we're talking about style. I have a lot less to say about style, not because it's less important, there's just less that I have to say about it, okay? So when we're talking about style, we've talked about the form of something. What is its shape? You know, how is it molded? But just to have something that is a piece of clay with shape would be as ugly as this, as this piece of clay, right? With some shape to it. So you want to style it, you want to paint it, you want to fire it up and make it glossy and pretty. You wanna draw things on it. You want to make it attractive. That's what presentations do. Even this little guy got a little some paint, a little bit of attractiveness. So that's what style does. But you can say, well, you know, I'm not into style. What matters is my heart and what I want to say. That isn't necessarily true. We're gonna talk about that. Now, one thing on your handouts is a couple things that are different on the handouts in terms of just a word choice. In a few places, I decided to use vocal, um, not vocal, I used to decide to use verbal expression. Um, Actually, no, I think I got that wrong. Anyway, so I used vocal instead of verbal for a few places and I rearranged just a couple slides because I had already printed yours out when I made that change. So just follow me where it may be different. We're gonna talk about these three things, not necessarily in that order. So why does style or presentation matter? First of all, people are more influenced by your delivery, believe it or not, than by your content. Mm -hmm. You don't believe me? Mm -hmm. Please dare me to prove you wrong. May I do that? Yes, please. Good, because you just overrode what my husband would say. He would say, don't do that. But I'm going to do it just to, except I won't do it as dramatically as I usually do. I'm going to quote John 3.16. I'm going to quote it twice, okay? And my question to you is, will style matter more? Will delivery and style matter more than content? <sighs> Which one should I do first, Carl? <laughs> 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 I'm going to end pleasantly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have 
everlasting life. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now let me ask you something. Which is more important, content or delivery? Delivery. Hello. You have just reinforced the point. <laughs> because as this wise young man just said, delivery delivers content. And the way you say something can matter more than what you say if the two do not match in intent. All right, so that's why it matters. Ineffective list delivery can cause losers, uh, listeners to miss. <laughs> yeah, it can create some losers. It can create losers, and it can cause people, woo, five minutes to miss the point. So you don't want that. And then meaning is communicated through verbal or vocal cues as well as nonverbal. Let's run through a few of those. Some vocal cues, run through those very quickly. You have the quality of your voice. If you have a very high-pitched voice, you probably need to keep that in mind and maybe consciously lower it a little bit. The rate at which you're speaking. Right now I'm talking faster because I'm under pressure, right? But you don't want to rush through an entire presentation. Uh, volume. You don't want to always shout at people because we can all hear, right? Okay. Pitch. Keep your pitch down. You know, make sure, watch it. Let pitch accent, not control. Pronunciation. If you have a thick accent from someplace that most people here may not understand, when you're back at your home of a place of origin, they may, but here they may not, where you are, then remember that you can help through careful enunciation. Pronunciation is where you put your stresses. Enunciation is how you separate your words. All right, vocal clues, I put the word vocal up here. Vocal clues, they are not the words you're saying, but how you say them. Changes in pitch, rate, and volume. The way you stress words or emphasize words can bring more meaning. For God so loved the world. You see? Same way with pauses. I want to tell you something terribly important. We're going to be done in four minutes. Okay? Pauses bring attention to whatever you're going to say next. <laughs> and then there is these other nonverbal, non-vocal clues. Things like your expression, your gestures, your posture, your body movements. The, those things can either take away from your delivery or they can add to your delivery. There's a couple tips. Be listener-centered. There's some things you can do. Look up from your notes 90% of the time. I've had notes here the whole time, but the important thing is being in contact with your listeners. So look at them. Span the entire audience. Look at people in the eye and don't be, um, remember that effective conversation though, even though you have the mic, for effective speaking, even though you have the mic, it's still conversational. It should feel like a conversation going on between you and the listeners. Um, the other things are that you want to talk to listeners, not at them. Nobody wants to be preached at, not your kids and not your congregation. So you want to talk with them and to them, not at them. And you want to share ideas with them, not in front of them. If you're consumed inside yourself, very often what you're doing is just trying to get it over with. Point A, B, and C, now I'm done, bam. No, don't do that. Don't share in front of them. Share with them. That means engaging. And then, of course, it can always be nerve-wracking to speak. So for those of you who do feel nerves, I have just a couple slides on that. 
and one is about apprehension, sorry. Um, remember, it's natural, it increases your energy. I actually felt apprehensive about speaking here today because I didn't know who I'm talking to, but the energy can motivate, can really help you through a presentation. And you want to, you can limit how it affects you if you know what to do. You can ask me later about that. You want to act poised and don't let somebody disturb you. So if someone has a mean looking face, well, just don't look at them. Look at somebody right next to them or look just over their heads, right? <laughs> and it still works. All right, so, um, and the act poised one, that means fake it till you make it. If you don't know, how to look comfortable, just don't apologize for being uncomfortable. Remember, people can't see what you're going through. So if you look confident, you probably are. If you smile, you smile, the world smiles back at you. All right? So those are some things. The closing thought. Improving form and style can greatly increase your effectiveness as a speaker. Bottom line. Yet you should never forget, so you always remember, that it's not the capabilities you possess now or ever will that will give you success. It is what the Lord can do for you. Having done all to stand, you just stand. I'm out of time, but I'm so glad to have been with you today. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.